This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. Welcome to the New Growth Podcast with Nikki Walton. Join her as she explores divine love as a key to spiritual growth, empowered service, and inner and outer success. If you'd like to support Nikki's podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Nikki. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of New Growth. I am your host, Nikki Walton, and today joining me, I have Dr. Bruce Lipton. He's a developmental biologist as well as the godfather of the science of spirituality, the science of love. Thank you so much for joining me today. Nikki, I am so happy to be here with you because your story, your message, and the community that you have is really uplifting our world because the whole foundation of our evolution is not based on competition. It's actually based on cooperation, and the most cooperation comes from love. Uh, Amen. I love that. Yes, and actually, that's how I bumped into you. You know how they say that you kind of like you research and you read based on your own personal experience, like to try to reinforce that experience. So because my experience here in this awakening process has been love, love announcing itself louder and louder to where that's really truly my only experience. It's more real to me than the experiences are. I was searching about divine love and came across your book, The Honeymoon Effect. And I read it probably in like 2015 or 2016. And then I learned about epigenetics and about Psych K. So it's like it, I kind of approached you, I guess, from like, for me, from what I can tell from the outside looking in, like a backwards <laughs> way. I came in through the love door. <laughs> so I'd love to hear um, today more about The Honeymoon Effect, like the science of love and how we can tap into it to create our best lives. Well, I think it's one of the most important topics in the entire world. And one of the things that I think that uh, we should start off with that's very important about all the viewers that are watching, okay, is I've been involved with what are called belief uh, modification programs where you can change programs that are not supporting you. And interestingly enough, one of the first things we test for is for individuals to test for their personal belief of, I love myself. 80 to 90% of every audience will not test positive to I love myself. Mm -hmm. And it becomes profoundly important if you just stop for one second and think about it. If you don't love yourself, then nobody else can love you either. Because somebody says they love you and you go, what? You you have no quality control. I I can see I'm not lovable. What are you doing here? (laughs) And we end up chasing people away. Uh, And the most important part about this whole story is the behaviors that we're talking about are subconscious, unconscious behavior. So when you are creating this behavior, you yourself are not seeing or experiencing what you're saying and doing when you're doing these unconscious behaviors. A a, a simple and most important fact is 95% of our life is coming from programs that we received, especially during the first seven years of our life, uh, programs that we received that are downloaded into our subconscious mind. And then uh, comes the fact, as I mentioned, 95% of our life is not coming from the conscious mind, which is creative. The subconscious mind is a database of programs. It's uh, habits, okay? Mm -hmm. I say, so let's put it in perspective very simply. I say, The brain is a computer. We all knew that. It's the most magnificent computer we know of in the universe at this time. And I go, 
but it's a computer and it works just like a computer and has functions exactly the same. And what I mean by that is, let's just say um, we go to the store and buy a brand new computer right now and I take it home and I push the start button and it boots up. I go, okay. Now I say, now let's do something. Let's write a, a story. Let's do a spreadsheet. Let's make a drawing. And then you go, oh, wait, I cannot do that until I first put programs into the machine. Once the programs are in, then I can interact with the machine. Ah, okay. Exactly. So the point about this is um, a child's brain as a computer has a startup system working in the last trimester of pregnancy before the child's born, the, the screen lights up. Mm. But before that child can use this fabulous brain, it first has to put programs in. I said, well, how do you get the programs? And the fact is, you as an individual, first as a fetus and then as being born as a child, observe the world like a video camera, looking around and whatever's coming in, in the first seven years, th whatever comes in represents the basic programs of the operating system, okay? Yeah. So I said, why? And I go, well, first thing is this, as an infant, when you come into the world, you, you have to learn some things really quickly. You have to learn how to be a member of a family. <laughs> But then you have to learn how to be a member of a community. Right. And I go, wow, there's lots of rules. Uh, I say, how does an infant acquire the rules uh, that are so important? I mean, how, he, how a father responds to his own child is not how he responds to the neighbor's child. It's not how he responds to the neighbor, not re how he responds to his own wife. And it's not re how he responds to the policeman. And I all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, you got to know a lot of these different interactions to be functional. So I said, well, how does a child get these programs? And the beautiful part about it is in the first seven years of life, the operation of the brain is on record. It's a vibrational frequency. When they put wires on a person's head, we call it electroencephalograph, mm -hmm. and you can read the functions of the mind and the brain. Uh, and there are different levels of vibration. The higher the vibration, the more action there is, okay? The lowest vibration delta is like sleep. It's basically the brain's off. It's just running. Nothing's going on. But as you start to wake up, the vibration starts to like turn up the volume. Uh, the, the next level of vibration is called theta. Mm -hmm. And theta is, um, well, it, it's imagination. And I say, yeah, think about it. Children before age seven can mix the real world and the imaginary world seamlessly like it's oh, one. Yeah. I've got so, a for example, four year old uh, next week. <laughs> that's that's his whole life. <laughs> My whole life is watching him play pretend. That well, that's it. Uh, and it's just like an example is like there's a tea party and you pour nothing into the cup and you drink the nothing and you go, wow, that was the finest tea I ever mm -hmm. had. And I go, <laughs> that is theta. Theta is real teapots and all that, but imagination tea. Mix mm -hmm. them together. Okay. So I say theta, and then by age seven, the volume or the speed of the vibration of the brain ramps up a little bit higher called alpha, which is calm consciousness, consciousness thinking, okay? Thinking can go on. A child before that is not really thinking like we talk about. And then it ramps up again around age 12 to a higher level called beta, which is schoolroom focus work and, you know, geometry. Got to do beta on that one. <laughs> Got to <Okay>. do beta. <laughs> and and <clears throat> there's even a higher one called gamma which is what they call peak performance, okay? So, let's so would you say, say we're at alpha right now, the two that? of us? Would you say we're at well, alpha? We should be hopefully be moving into some beta We're here in like some geometry some right now? <laughs> we have to integrate these thoughts a little higher, <laughs> a little higher function right here. Uh, uh, gamma is peak performance, uh, like a, a pilot is flying in beta, but the moment it's time to land the plane where you've got to be really on, then they go up to a higher vibration, gamma peak wow, performance. Okay. okay. So a child, and this most important part, a child does not enter the consciousness phase, alpha, until seven approximately. Okay. I say, so what? I say, well, then what brain function is going on before alpha, the lower one, theta? I say, imagination. I go, now comes the most important part. Theta is hypnosis. If you want to hypnotize somebody, you got to drop the brain waves down. Theta connects to the subconscious. Alpha and beta connect to the conscious mind. Two minds. 
And, and this is part of uh, the confusion in, in our world where people say, the mind. I go, no, no, wait, there are two minds. Mm. And if you don't understand that, then confusion abounds. Okay. I say, so what are the two minds? Well, as I said, after age seven, alpha and beta is conscious mind. Conscious mind right behind your forehead, actually, a lobe of the brain called prefrontal cortex. I go, so what about it? I say, the function of the conscious mind is creativity. I say, it has imagination. I say, so why is that relevant? Because if you can imagine something, then you can create something. If you can imagine it, you can create it. I'm sure, you know, around a campfire back in the Stone Age, some guys were looking up and saying, hey, there's the moon. That would be nice to go to the moon, you know? And it's like, yeah, but it took a long time and a lot of creativity, but we can do it, okay? So consciousness is the creative mind. It has your wishes and your desires. <gasps> Love. Oh, that's a, that's a conscious mind wish and desire for sure, you know? And like, so that's conscious mind. That's creative. That one kicks in around age seven, okay? Mm. Below age seven, you're building programs in what is called the subconscious mind, which is like, um, uh, imagine the brain as a video recorder recording every action and, you know, what everybody's doing, what mom is doing, what dad is doing, what my siblings, my community, record, download. It's just download. So they're programs, okay? People think, oh, the subconscious got evil. I go, if you got a bad program, it might look that way. It's a darn good thing we have the subconscious. I'll give you an example. I say, Nikki, when did you learn how to walk? You know what year you were when you were learning how to walk? You have your own child, know what time they walk in and all that. And I go, <laughs> before two. Yeah. And I say, so why is it relevant? I said, walking is learned and then is a program. Mm -hmm. So that you can walk now as an adult without thinking right leg, lift up, left leg. You know, you don't have to go like that. You just have to have the intention. I want to go over exactly. there, push exactly. the button. The program will walk without you thinking about it. If you learned how to drive a car, the first time you got into a car with like, oh, there was gauges on the dashboard, mirrors, windows to look out and listen to the engine, feet on the pedals. So many things at once that some people sit behind the wheel go, they just, it's too much. Okay. Yeah. Wow, but now that you've learned how to drive the car, when you get in the car, do you think about the details? They go, absolutely not. In fact, Key you can forget engine. half the trip. <laughs> Be lost in thought halfway to the office. So, Let's talk about the benefit. The benefit of the subconscious is when you learn how to do something really good, you don't have to relearn it every day. And it's instantaneous. Okay. Mm -hmm. So subconscious is uh, like record, download. Okay. Mm -hmm. Download programs. Conscious is creative. I go, yeah. So I say, so where did you get your programs from? The ones that started you. I go, not from you, but by observing other people. I go, why is it relevant? Because if they have good behavior, you downloaded some good behavior. But if they have some behavior that's not very supportive, you also downloaded that. Okay. So all of a sudden I say, well, then your fundamental programs of life did not come from you. They came from other people. I go, why is it relevant? Well, let's say you have a wish to do X, but they never did X. And I go, so why is it relevant? That whole programming you got will not support X. And all of a sudden you start to see, well, yikes, uh, the programs that we got, and here's a number, so people have to know this, about 70% of those programs are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and limiting beliefs. So we were programmed and at the same time disempowered. Why? Exactly. Because the programs didn't support who you really are. Okay, who you really are, sidebar. Thank we're you. Creators. We're, we're creators. creators. Yeah. We are creating our lives. And I said, well, are you creating with the conscious mind or the subconscious? Why is it different? Conscious mind wishes and desires. Subconscious mind program. Program. No, that's just the way you got it. That's the way you're going to mm -hmm. play. Those it. old okay. recordings, right? Old recordings, but not even from you, but because right. you download them from watching other people. Okay. So then when you're operating from the subconscious mind, you're not operating from your wishes and desires and what you want. You're operating from whatever the damn program said it was. Exactly. Okay. Now, what's interesting about it is when the conscious mind is fully operating, it is in total control of creating wishes and desires. But then I say, when it's fully operating, I go, here's the issue. The conscious mind has two functions. <laughs> 
wishes and desires and thinking. The conscious mind's the one that thinks, okay? So I say, uh, Nikki, tell me what you're doing on Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Now, it may not be written anywhere in front of you right now, but in a moment of thinking, you could go and say, whoa, let's see, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, I'm doing this. I said, oh, where did you get the answer? Well, I was thinking. I go, were you thinking? Were you looking out the window <laughs> or were you looking in the head? Mm. The answer is thoughts occur inside. So my conscious mind, instead of looking out, turns around and looks in. A thought is inside. And I say, so why is it relevant? I say, the moment you start thinking, you're not paying attention to what's going on. I go, well, you mean what if I'm driving a car and I have a thought? And I go, good point, because the conscious mind stops paying attention. I go, who's driving the car? I go, subconscious is autopilot. When the conscious mind is letting go of paying attention, the subconscious mind will play its program. You learn how to drive. You don't have to think about it. It's a mechanism. It's a program. So I'm driving the car and I'm thinking about I'm going to the store. And I go, well, then are you looking out the window? I say, no, because thinking is looking inside. Yeah. So all of a sudden I say, and here's the number. I already said it. Science has recognized 95% of the day we are thinking. I go, so? 95% of the day, you're not creating with your conscious mind looking out what you you're want. You're not here. That's crazy. You're not here. 95%. You're inside your head. And I go, yeah, but the world's still going on. I go, yeah, exactly. but it's being controlled by autopilot. Yeah. So I say, but autopilot means that whatever the program is, it steps in, it controls the behavior. Do you see it? No, because I, I'm not paying attention. I'm looking inside. You know, I'll give the example of driving the car. I say, Okay, you and a friend are in the car. You know how to drive now, okay? And you and your friend have a conversation. And for about five minutes, you're so involved in the conversation. Then you look out the window and you say, oh, I haven't paid attention to the road for the last five minutes. You know, I always suggest that. Tell your partner, hey, guess what? I've been driving five minutes and I haven't paid attention to the road. <laughs> I have no but, idea what's been going on for the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but now it comes down to the very significant impact. I, I say to you now, I say, so what was your conversation about? Oh, we talked about this and this and this. And I go, now I say, and what was on the road during that five minutes ago? I don't know. Why? You weren't looking out the window and paying attention to the driving. Subconscious was driving. You can pay attention to the conversation. So now you know what we talked about, but you have no idea what was on that road when you just drove. Okay. So I go, what? What does that mean? I say, during an average day's life, 95% you are thinking. So 95% of your behavior is not coming from your wishes and desires. It's coming straight out of the program. Where'd the program come from? Somebody else. So uh, I've been telling the same story, Nikki, for 30 years. Uh, until I find a better one, and it's 30 years and still the same one, is I said, you have a friend. You know your friend's behavior very well and you know your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as their parent. So you, you know, you gotta say it, it just comes out. You go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then back away from Bill. The first thing, <laughs> first thing out of Bill's mouth is, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. <laughs> and everybody laughs because they've had that experience. And I go, you want the most profound insight in the entire world is this. Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who doesn't see it is Bill. I say, well, explain that. I say, well, I just did. 95% of the day he's thinking, then his behavior is controlled by the program. Where do you get that? Downloaded it from dad. So the, he's playing his dad's program. But does he see it? I go, no, because when he's thinking, he's not observing. And all of a sudden, and then everything makes sense. Yeah. Bill doesn't believe he's like his dad, but his behavior is totally his dad behavior. And, and now comes the really, the great piece of news. Now, we are all Bill. Yes. Every one of us, every day is doing Bill. Yep. I say, why is that relevant? And I say, well, the creative conscious mind has wishes and desires. Wishes of being in love. Wishes of being happy and healthy and having a great job and a great relationship and all wishes. I go, 
yeah, about 5% of the day is when you're driving your vehicle toward those wishes. 95% of the day, you could be sabotaging every one of those wishes because you're not paying attention. You are playing the programs. And like Bill, you didn't see the program. And I say, so what's the relevance? And then I say, oh, think about it this way. I wake up in the morning going, today is the day I'm going to find love. I go, oh. And then you go out in the day and then you go through a whole lousy day. And you come home at five o'clock and you go, didn't happen a day. And then I say, what do you think at this moment? And you go, I wanted to find love today. It didn't come to, you know, it didn't happen out there. The universe didn't give me that. You know, uh, I'm a victim. Why? I wanted love. It didn't show up. It's not me. I'm the one who wanted the love. And I go, you didn't see that all day after your beautiful 5% thought of I'm going to find love, that the next part of your life wasn't controlled by that creative mind. Now it's controlled by your parents. Now look at your parents' relationships, for example. If you think that's the model idea of love, which mine wasn't, and then I have to recognize, yeah, but I downloaded how they relate to each other. That's a program. And then 95% of the day, I'm playing my parents' program. Well, hell, <laughs> if I played that program, nobody's going to find me to have love. And the point was this. Was I a victim that love wasn't coming to me? Or did I create a non-loving situation without my conscious awareness that my subconscious program was playing my dad's behavior, which would never find me love. Mm. All of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I was thinking I was a victim that I couldn't find love. And then it turns out, no, I am the creator who created a situation where love couldn't come into it. Mm. I remember, you know, I, my whole, not my whole life, up to about 40 or so, uh, uh, I was looking for a relationship. Why? Because we're all out there. At some level, we're like, oh, I want to find that love that's in the movies. I want to find the, the book of love, all that love stories. I, I want that. I want that. It's not there. And I'm going out in the world every day saying, I need this love. I need this love. And, and then thrust upon me was this wonderful opportunity the the dream of a man who wants to really you know pick up a woman to come with him i'm living in the caribbean i got a villa i'm teaching at a university i teach like one day a week so i got like six days a week to hang out in the caribbean under the coconut Perfection. <laughs> oh, so beautiful Perfection. you know there's some beautiful places out there and um but i never had a relationship and in spite of all this stuff i was I need this relationship, so I'm out looking. And I meet this woman. She comes off of uh, one of the yachts uh, in Grenada. And um, she's just, you know, not sure where she's going to go at this point. We're having a conversation, and I think, oh, man, I'm going to drop this line on this woman. I got the, I got the line. <laughs> well, if you're not doing anything, you want to come and live in my villa for the next few months here on this beautiful island. And I drop that line, and then she looks at me, and she goes, no, you're too needy. Yep. And I was like blown away. It's one of those slap in the faces, like, oh, and yeah. then, and at that moment it hit me and I said, thank you. It just hit me. It just hit me. I'm too needy. I walked away from that lunch back to my villa. I said, I got the greatest job in the world. I got money in my pocket. I live in a villa on a beautiful island. I've got six days a week of my life. And I'm thinking, uh, and you're not happy with that, Bruce? That's what I said. Well, you're not. Yeah. You got more than any most, most people have in the world. <laughs> and you're not happy with that? It was at that moment that I said, until I learned to be happy, I'm not going out to find someone to make me happy because that's go. called codependency. Yeah. Meaning I can't be happy unless you are here. And all right. of a sudden now we have this relationship that, well, if I leave and then there's, oh, no, don't yeah. threaten. And like that. You won't find it's love crazy. out here. So you find love inside. Like that happiness that, I that call love. Exactly exactly what it was because i was one of those 80 to 90 percent people that if you would you know if i was tested do i love myself the answer was absolutely no that was me too i couldn't even and, say it in a mirror 
You know, like when they tell you, like, look in the mirror and say, I love you. I could not do that when I was first introduced to that practice. And now I can, but it took a while. And and me too. And you and I know this now is what? And the reality is until that answer comes out of the mirror that says, yeah, I like who I am. I like what I do. I'm happy with me. And once you can say that with the truth and honesty of it, then you're open for what? A relationship, but it's not codependent. No. I don't need you. Exactly. I can be happy by myself. Right. <laughs> Love is here, no matter what. Nobody can bring it. Nikki, you know the answer. And <laughs> you've been talking about it a long time. But that, that was the beautiful part. The beautiful part yeah. was if you don't need then love is a gift that you can have, okay? Mm-hmm. But if you need it, you grab it and you pull. It's like, no, you got your hands grabbed, let your let go. Don't hold on that tight to that, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what I learned because the moment that I started to reflect on what my problem was, which we're going to talk about, the moment I started to reflect on that, I started to change my behavior. And there was this point where actually there was a period after searching for that relationship, I let it go. No relationship. That's okay. Why? If I can't be happy with all the stuff that I got, then there's a problem here, not out there, here, right. it's here. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I learned to say, wait, I don't want a relationship right now. Why? I've got to be in my place. And like yourself, I, when I acquired this, I could like myself. Then all of a sudden, people started to show up that was like relationship. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, that was a whole different world than me chasing yes. was coming. So to me, uh, if it's okay, I, I, I would like to say, then how come, how come we don't love ourselves 80, mm-hmm. 90%? So I said, okay, now let's go back to the fact that you were programmed in the first seven years and the character of your life, 95% is coming from that program. If that's not a good program. Then 95% of your life is matching that negative program. Right. <clears throat> the Jesuits, I mean, they, they told people for 400 years the story that we're talking about, but nobody really understood. The Jesuits would say, give me a child until it is seven and I will show you the man. Mm. What does that mean? They understood that the first seven years was putting the program in, and they also understood that the rest of your life, 95% is coming from that program. So if I, I can control the first seven years of programming, I control your life. Right. And they told people that. Give me a child till seven, I'll show you the man. Nobody understood what they were talking about. Okay. So now here's the point. They were accurate. Seven years is the download period where theta is the predominant brain activity, which is record and download behavior that 95% of your life is is coming from that. Okay. So I say, so what behaviors do we get? Now comes the interesting part. One analogy, a player on a sports team is not behaving up to their known ability. The coach doesn't come up to the player and go, would be so nice if you would do better. No, the coach comes up and says, Look, you don't deserve to be on this team. You're not working. Who do you think you are? You're not that good. And I say, whoa, what does what the player on the team recognize? It's like, I better do better. I better try harder, okay? This is what, what I, I need to do, okay? So the, the relevance about this is by, you know, putting needles in them, not saying, please be nice. It's like, you're not good enough then change the performance. So I say, well, that's cool. If the child is over seven years old, because then they understand what the coach, the meaning of what the coach said, they understand consciousness. Child under seven doesn't have consciousness, it's recording. And I say, so why? I say, because parents act like coaches. If the child isn't doing well, they don't go, oh, please do better. That's not good enough, do better. You're not good at this, you're not good at that. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. And I go, why is it relevant? Because if the child is under seven, they're not putting together the pieces that they could be better. They're just recording, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not deserving. They just recorded. So I say, so why is it relevant? I say, well, 95% of your life is a readout from the program. So 80 to 90% of us got negative programming to try, parents were thinking it was positive. 
if I say this, it's going to make the child work harder. I go, if the child's under seven, they don't translate what you just said. They just recorded what you just said. Now I have a program. I'm not deserving. I'm not lovable. I'm not this. And I say then, just as a Jesuit's new, 95% of my life, that program is going to control my behavior. The function of the mind is to take those programs and manifest them. So if I have negative programs, the function of the mind will manifest a negative program. If I have positive programs, the function of the mind is to manifest positive. But most of us didn't get positive programming. And I say, so why is it relevant? So I say, in consequence, if you understood your programming, you go, I was criticized. I was criticized as not this and not that and not this. I go, so why is it relevant? I say, well, then run 95% of your life with I'm not good enough. I don't deserve. What's the function of the mind? To manifest the reality. My program I did not deserve. So what happens 95% of the day when, like Bill, I'm not observing, what behavior am I getting? Not good enough? And I say, yeah, but what's the function of the mind? Make it real. So I guess what? When you're not paying attention and the program is playing, its destination is to verify the program. My program not good enough. So unconsciously, subconsciously, 95% of the day, I will sabotage my own future. I say, why? Because at the end of the day, then the statement is true. I'm not good enough. Mm. I don't deserve. I didn't get it. I don't deserve. It's like, wow, that's true. I go, yeah, but true to what? The program. Right. So if you have these negative programs, then 95% of the day, unconsciously, the function of the mind is to make those programs real. That's why we live in a world that makes sense. I didn't expect it. It didn't happen. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so we go back now, Nikki, and just go to the very fundamental point. Why do 80 to 90% of the people have a problem on this planet of not loving themselves? The answer is because the basic programming they got disempowers them. And we've been programmed. And, and most people, I hope in this audience, when I say this, have seen the movie, The Matrix. And I go, why? And I go, well, the matrix is listed in science fiction. But as I say in my lectures, no, it, it's a documentary. Right. <laughs> why? Everybody's been programmed. And then you go, but in the movie, they have something called the red pill. You get out of the program. Then I like to tell people, A, the movie is right. Documentary, you got programmed. And B, there is a red pill. What's the red pill? I can get out of the program. Falling in love. I, I go, love why? <laughs> I say, why? Why is that the red pill? I say, why am I playing these programs 95% of the day? Answer, because I'm thinking 95% of the day. I say, so why is falling in love the red pill? And the answer is this, because your life could be blah, 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 blah. And then one day you meet that special person. They come into your life. And 24 hours later, it's like, oh, man, life is beautiful. Life is wonderful. Uh, even that lousy job's not so lousy. Everything is great. <laughs> I love. I go, 24 hours, the whole life of blah, blah, blah. And in 24 hours, you've got heaven on earth. Science has recognized this fact. And this is the part. When we fall in love like that, we stop thinking and stay in the present moment. Instead of having thoughts, you stay present like, oh, I'm so excited to be here. And I'm just looking at my partner and loving my partner. and I'm loving what's going on. I'm paying attention here now. I go, oh, you stop thinking. It's called being mindful. I say, so what does that mean? I go, you stop playing the program. And for the first yeah. time. You are now creating from what? Wishes and desires, conscious mind. What'd you create? Honeymoon. And then you go, well, the honeymoon was heaven on earth. I go, yeah, but it seemed to disappear. Mm -hmm. I go, and the reason why, and we're just very blunt and simple is this. When you fell in love, you stopped playing the programs that you got from other people that were sabotaging you. You became the person you wanted to be, the person you think you are. And you were expressing those thoughts of love and wish and harmony and peace. You were now expressing them without going into the program. Okay. And I say, so you created in this life. But there's a point where life gets busy. 
you still have a job, you got chores, you got responsibilities. I go, I say, then what happened? I said, well, the moment you start thinking, then what's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your behavior? Wishes of love and joy and happiness, the wishes of conscious. I go, mm. programs. You start thinking, the negative programs that you got from your parents and family and community start showing up. And I go, why is that relevant? Your partner never saw those programs because when you fell in love, you stopped playing those programs. They see you for who you want to really be. But the moment you start thinking, these old behaviors start to come up to the front and they start playing. And your partner looks at you and goes, who are you? Where did that come from? And then you're the story of Bill. And you go, what are you talking about? And your partner goes, that behavior, that was so bad. And then you go, what are you talking about? Why? <laughs> because when you played that behavior, you were like, Bill, you didn't even see the behavior. Now you're being accused of being a person who doesn't conform to, to the right behavior. And you're going, because you didn't see it, you're going, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And then an argument starts. Mm -hmm. And once an argument starts and another bad behavior and then another between both people, the, the stuff that was hidden, because when you were being mindful and being in love, you didn't think and therefore you were playing wishes and desires. But at some point when thinking comes back in, those old programs start coming up to the surface. And neither you or your partner even sees these programs. Bill, story of Bill. And the result is the relationship you started with in love turns out to be a completely different relationship because when you were in love, it was conscious mind, conscious mind, creative wishes, desires creating together. When you started to fall out of love, it wasn't the conscious mind change. It was that the subconscious mind negative programs came up. And all of a sudden, they threw your behavior offline and started to make those negative behaviors. You didn't see you were doing it. Your partner doesn't see when they're doing it. And that result is that beautiful creative wish turns into the problems of programs that you got earlier. And all of a sudden, boom, honeymoon starts to disappear. And I go, wow. I say, so what was the monkey wrench in the machine? I said, the damn programs you got. So if you allow me now to go on and say, how do I know what the programs are? Because I say, well, guess what? You were programmed even before you were born. If a, a, a mother plays music near her abdomen while, the, while she's pregnant, that the fetus hears that music. And guess what? If you repeat that and the mother repeats that music, when the baby is born and that music plays, the baby will immediately pay attention because the baby remembers, even from being in the placenta, ha, remembers that, okay? So learning was occurring then. Uh, and so the relevance uh, about all this is that we, we have these programs. Uh, they're not very positive. We stop playing the programs. We create very positive. And I say, well, then the issue is not to change your life, but to change your program. And then comes the question is, well, it was starting before I was conscious. What program did you get when you were zero to one? That's a year. What program did you get when you were one to two? That was a year or two to three, maybe about three or four. You start to have some memories of individual events. But first couple of years, I say, well, tell me that program you got when you were zero. Huh? I go, ah, you don't know your program because it was brought down before you were conscious and it operates when you are not conscious, okay? So now a little help. How do I know what my programs are? I go, first thing is this, look at your life and separate it into two parts. The things that you like that come into your life, the things that you really like, and, oh, I'm so, I love this and it's coming in, I love that's coming in. That comes in because your programs support and encourage that being in your life. But, and this is the one, wake up, but right here, it goes like this. If you find that you're struggling, working hard, putting a lot of effort in, putting, put I'm sweating over this to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. And you're working real hard. And I say, stop. Why are you working so hard? And the answer is, Inevitably, that destination is not supported by your program. 
And so 95% of the day, your subconscious is sabotaging your destination. And your conscious mind 5% of the day says, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make it happen. I go, mathematics, it's not going right. to work that right. way. And so basically have to recognize that if your life isn't working the way you want it, that's wishes and desires conscious. If it's not working that way, it's then expressing subconscious programs. And if those programs are interfering with you, they cause a stress. The stress is anything that gets in the way of your destination. You want to be in love? You can't get there? That's stress. Okay? And all of a sudden, you start to realize, oh, my God, there's so much stress going on around the world. In fact, 90% or so of illness on this planet is due to stress. Uh, you know, I watched your video about the difference between putting cells um, in a Petri dish, right? Like fear versus love, like those hormones and the, the, the end result was ridiculous. Totally different. Yeah. When you, you see, uh, what did I learn in my research? And the research was this. Um, I was cloning stem cells, which are embryonic cells in a human body. Uh, very point of view, why have embryonic cells in your body? And the answer is simply this. Well, your body is made out of 50 trillion cells in a community. So I could say Bruce, but that's a representation name for 50 trillion cells living in harmony. Okay. Uh, but every day, actually, every minute we lose millions of cells are just dying. Red blood cells are dying by millions and uh, skin cells and hair cells. Well, some of mine have not grown back yet. But <laughs> Uh, um, these cells uh, are normally you're dying hundreds of billions of your cells die every day normal life I say well if you don't replace hundreds of billions of cells you can't survive at all mm -hmm. so inside our community of 50 trillion cells there are embryonic cells but we call them stem cells uh, because you're not an embryo we changed the name but when you were an embryo, there were embryo exactly. cells. Now you're nice. born, they're stem cells. <laughs> so they're multi-potential. They can replace anything that's that's gone. So I take one stem cell, put it in a dish by itself. That's called cloning. Why? Well, only one cell in a dish, but every time it divides every 10 hours or so, then there's one cell, then there's two, then there's four, eight, 16, and doubles. But the point about it is this. All the cells in that Petri dish that develop came from the same parent, have the same genetics, completely the same. So in a week, 30,000 genetically identical cells, and I split them into three Petri dishes. And so each dish has genetically identical cells to all of them. But I change what is called the growth medium, the culture medium. That's what we grow cells in. It's the environment. It's fluid. I go, what does it represent? And this is the connecting point. Culture medium is a laboratory version of blood because that's what cells live in the fluid inside your body is from the, the blood. So we make synthetic blood called culture media, but I can create it in the lab so I can change the composition. So I create three slightly different versions of culture medium chemistry in this culture medium fluid. And in one dish with environment A, culture medium A, the cells form muscle. In a second dish, culture medium B, the cells form bone. A third dish, culture medium C, the cells form fat cells. Well, the point was they were all genetically identical. So the point was, well, what controlled the fate of the cells? It wasn't the genes. They all had the same genes. It was the environment, the cells adjusting themselves to the environment. And so the different chemistry of the culture medium led to different fate. Now I go, well, that's a nice laboratory study, cells in a plastic dish. And I go, mm -hmm. when you look in the mirror and you see yourself as a single entity, you're a skin-covered Petri dish because under your skin are 50 trillion cells living in a skin-covered dish with the original culture medium, blood. So I say, does it make a difference for the fate of the cell if it's in the plastic dish or the skin-covered dish? And the answer is this, it still responds to the exact same thing, the environment. I say, but what's the environment? Plastic dish, culture medium, what is culture medium? The equivalent of blood in the skin covered dish. So the chemistry of the blood controls the genetics of the cells. Mm. It's not the genes controlling things, it's the chemistry of the blood. And then you have to then go to the next and big question. 
well, then who or what is controlling the chemistry of the blood? I go, the mind. I go, what do you mean? I say, simple exercise. We close our eyes and when we open them up, we see something we love. I go, so what? The brain is the chemist. When you see something you love, the brain translates that into chemistry of love. Dopamine, pleasure. Oxytocin, bonding with that love source. Vasopressin makes you more attractive to that love source, so that source stays there. And growth hormone is released when you fall in love. I say, what is growth hormone? Well, the name is growth hormone. And I say, what is the result? I say, when you fall in love, you make a cocktail of chemistry in your culture medium, blood, that supports your vitality and your health and your happiness. So I say growth medium is what gives you that glow when people fall in love. Oh, they glow. I say the glow is what? Health. I say, where did health come from? Culture medium. Why? The chemistry of love is vitality. Okay. But if you open your eyes and you see something that scares you, you don't release love chemistry into the blood from the brain. You release fear chemistry. I say, like what? I say, stress hormones are released into the blood. Things that shut down your immune system when you're in stress are released into the blood. I go, so what's the result? I say, growth medium based on love enhances your vitality. But the chemistry of the growth medium and fear compromises your vitality. Fear kills. Okay? Mm -hmm. So the point is, well, I say, well, then... What is the response of my cells? I say, they're based on the chemistry of the blood, the culture medium. Yeah, but what's that based on? The picture in the mind. And uh, Henry Ford, famous saying, Henry Ford, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. right. <laughs> and I say, so what's the picture? I say, if you think you can, you have a picture of success. And then you're right. But if you have a picture, you can't do something, then it's an interference with your success. It's not going to happen. And guess what? The chemistry of that prevents you from experiencing it. And all of a sudden I said, yeah, my mind is adjusting the chemistry and the chemistry is determining whether I'm going toward love or I'm going toward fear. It changes my genetics. Uh, and the relevance about all this is by changing the consciousness, we are the chemists that change the composition of the culture medium, the blood, mm -hmm. which controls genetics. So for example, people think there are cancer genes. Ah, ready? There's not one gene that causes cancer. Mm -hmm. I go, what do you mean? I say, genes are correlated with cancer, but they don't cause them. I go, Angelina Jolie in the prime of her life has a double mastectomy. She's in young youth and prime. I said, why? Well, her mother died of breast cancer and her grandmother died of breast cancer. And she said, well, I'm going to get breast cancer. I got the breast cancer gene and the gene is going to give me breast cancer. So if I remove my breasts, I will avoid cancer. And I go, does the gene cause breast cancer? Well, yeah. I say, in about 50% of the women. I said, what does that mean? I said, 50% of the women have the gene, but never get the breast cancer. What was the point? Having the gene itself is not the cause of breast cancer. It's correlated with a life that is not in harmony. When your life is not in harmony, then that gene can kick in. If your life is in harmony, that gene doesn't do anything. Okay, and all of a sudden I say, you've been blaming the gene for doing all this? And I say, no, no. It was whether your consciousness was in harmony or disharmony. And then I say, yeah, but that's based on your program. I go, yeah, that's all coming back to the original understanding. And so, so then when, when you just said that, would that mean that the solution for a lot of our big problems is to just stay here, to stay conscious, to stay in love with love, with life, <laughs> to stay here? Stay mindful. Yeah. When you stay mindful, you have direct control of what's happening in your life. And when you give up that control to the subconscious program, you have lost control of your life because now the program is going to control your life. And this is especially involved with health, for example. Uh, everyone is saying, oh, all these diseases and illnesses are connected to the genetics. And I go, less than 1% 
of diseases even connected to genetics. I say, well, then what's responsible for disease? Fact, 90% is due to stress. There's, you know, there, there's no cancer gene, but stress can promote cancer. Uh, cardiac disease is stress, okay? Uh, diabetes, whew, that's 100% lifestyle. <laughs> diabetes type two is lifestyle completely. And all of a sudden it says, we've been saying, I'm a victim of my genes. I'm a victim. I go, nah, <laughs> you're a victim of your consciousness. And let me just add my last major fact. Here comes the most major fact. Physics is a science of mechanisms. We talk about Newtonian mechanics, quantum mechanics. Mechanics are mechanisms of how the universe works. So the most basic of all sciences is physics. What are the mechanisms of the universe? Okay. When we were in Newtonian physics, it separated the universe into energy and matter and said that they don't affect each other. I said, why? The body is made out of matter. The mind is made out of energy. And so in the beginning of medicine, it's like, well, throw away the mind. We don't need to study that. We just, if there's something wrong with the body, there's something wrong with something physical. And then we buy a drug, which is physical to affect the physical body. Mm -hmm. uh, and guess what? The universe is not divided into matter and energy. It's all one. Universe is all energy. It's an illusion uh, of matter. Uh, and uh, we had another half hour or more, I would bring in the illusion fact, but the, the fact is this. And Adam I would is love not, to hear all of it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the atom is not made out of physical things. If you right. said, I take the part, you go, oh yeah, but they're smaller. The atom's got protons and neutrons and electrons, small particles. I go, when scientists started to take those apart, they started to recognize what? Inside those structures, there's nothing physical. They're like nano tornadoes, little energy vortices spinning around energy. I go, wait a minute, an atom isn't made out of anything physical. Nope. Take it apart, look inside, it's energy. So it's an illusion of matter, okay? Uh, and I go, so why is this relevant? And here comes the, the most important conclusion from quantum physics. There is no science that has been tested more or verified to be more truthful than quantum physics. It is the most valid science on this planet by all experimentation. And you go, wow, that's interesting. I go, no, no, here, you're ready. Here's what's interesting. The primary principle of quantum physics is consciousness is creating our life experiences. All of a sudden it says, what does that mean? I say, your thoughts are creating this life. I go, oh, that sounds so new agey. And I go, no, no, no. <laughs> basic science on this planet that is the first principle of it change your consciousness and the world changes around you that's physics so all of a sudden the the whole idea of new aging it's like nope <laughs> new aging is quantum physics it's always right. been that way the ancient people knew this a long time ago right uh the buddha 2500 years ago said what we think we become. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was that was the truth 2,500 years ago, as much as is truth at this very moment. What you're thinking is going to create what you're experiencing. And, and, and your program, Nick, is so important because what we have to get people to do is start saying, experiencing something different, change this consciousness because the, the programming that most of us got was not taking us toward love, it was taking us exactly. toward separation. So if we, let's do before we have to go, because somehow we're already at our hour, but I want to give the listener something practical, you know, that they can really like sink their teeth into. Oh, so okay. let's use the example of um, like fear of public speaking. And that's one of the programs that they have that they're not good enough or not worthy enough. How can yeah, they, they interrupt the that? They want to be the center of attention if I'm not that good which is uh, yeah, yeah. not that good, okay? Exactly. So the idea is you have programs. We just mentioned, how do you know what your programs are? I said, anything that you desire in life and you have struggled getting there, it's not because life won't give it to you, it's because your program is interfering with it. So you already have an idea. I'm not lovable. Uh, the job, I can't get a decent job. I'm not worthy. I'm not this, I'm not that. 
I say, so, okay, so you already have where the conflict is. Now you want to change the program. And this is where difficulties always come from. Because there's this belief that people have, well, if I just keep talking to myself and say, come on, you can do better, Lipton, you, you, can, you, you, know, you can do better now, you can do better now, come on, work harder, do this, blah, blah, blah. And I go, great, I'm talking to myself. Who am I talking to? Well, I'm talking to myself. I want to talk to my program. I go, open up your computer, put on a program, and then talk to your computer for a while. Would you change that program. Would you, hey, change that program. Wait, you're not listening to me. I go, yeah, there's nobody in there. <laughs> there's nobody in the subconscious. It's a machine. It has a recording device and a playback device. And the idea, if I just talk to myself, it's going to make a difference. I say, the only difference it's going to make is more frustration. Because the more you're going to talk to yourself, the more you're thinking, oh, well, I'm fixing it. And it's not. And right. then you go, it's not working. Positive thinking is not working for me. Yes. <laughs> so here's the point. The two minds have different function. Conscious, creative, subconscious, habit. Okay. But they learn in different ways. The conscious mind is creative. So I can learn in any number of ways. I could go, aha, I just changed my conscious mind, okay? Conscious creative. I read the book. I went to the lecture. You know, I said, how many people read the self-help book? And all the hands go up. And I said, now, how many people's lives change after you read the self-help book? And it's like, all the hands go back down. And I go, why? I say, you educated your conscious mind because it can learn by reading the book, watching the video, listening to the stuff that we're just talking about right now. Now it's conscious mind. Did that translate into subconscious? I go, no, because subconscious mind does not learn that way. Ah, you want to change the program. You can't use the conscious mind to talk to the subconscious because there's nobody there. You have to activate the programming mechanism. I say, well, how did you get programming? I say, in the first seven years, you did it because your brain was in theta, which is hypnosis. So you didn't have to do anything. You just had to get in theta and observe and download. Okay, so I say, hypnosis is good. I go, yeah, but self-hypnosis is better. I say, what does that mean? Every night when you go to bed, remember I said the vibrations, delta is the lowest sleep, and then theta, you start to wake up, but you're not awake yet. You're in theta, imagination, but then alpha, which is calm, and then beta, you know, special uh, consciousness. Mm -hmm. But when you go home at night, you go from beta at the job level, and you relax at home, that takes the vibration down. And you're in alpha, calm. And the moment you disconnect in sleep, the moment you're, boom, you're asleep, the vibration has dropped into theta, the next one down. But theta is hypnosis. I go, yeah, if you put earphones on, playing a program you want to be true in your life, you can put the earphones on and while you're awake, you'll hear what the program is going on, whatever it is. But the moment you fall asleep, Whatever's playing through those earphones is not talking to the conscious mind. That's shut off. It is now being picked up by the subconscious mind. So by repeating the program every night with the earphones on, playing a program and falling asleep and then playing the program, repetition of that leads to a rewriting of the subconscious to adopt the new program you were putting in. Every night you play that new program. I am powerful. I'm lovable. Whatever the heck program you want. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's how we learned in the first seven years. And I say, yeah, but you still learn things after your age seven. There are habits, riding a bicycle, driving a car, playing a musical instrument. I said, how'd you get, how'd you learn those? Practice, repetition. I repeated it over and over. Oh, that's called habituation. Ah, so if you want to change your life, you can create habituation. You can say, I love myself or, I'm, you know, I am happy. Pre people are not happy. I, I love the phrase. It's called fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. My life is miserable. Yeah. But if I stay all day long, every time I can consciously come up, I say, oh, I am happy. I am happy. You're a miserable SOB at this point. But I, it's like, <laughs> I am happy. I am happy. Yeah. I am happy. I say, guess what? Repetition of that. One day you wake up and you don't have to say, I'm happy. Why? You already woke up happy. Exactly. Why? Repetition made a habit. Okay. So that means a practice. It's not a sticky note. I always laugh because right. I say sticky note is a suggestion. Oh, every now and then I look at, oh, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that needs to, to be. Yep. This. Okay. Consciously. And then the third way, 
which is because um, the theta process uh, of hypnosis and the repetition practice of habituation mm -hmm. take time, but there are fast new ways called energy psychology. And these are uh, modalities that uh, uh, cause a um, super learning kind of thing to go on. I say, what does that mean? I say, you can download new behavior in minutes, not days and weeks, in minutes if you can engage that super learning. So I said, well, there's a whole variety of ways. And just to make it simple, so uh, on my website, which is very simple, brucelipton.com. Easy. There's a, a <laughs> Uh, on the menu, uh, you know, on the menu, you could see there's uh, belief change uh, modalities, and I have a 25 or more uh, different versions of energy psychology that you can look at, and the one that feels good, try it out. Because what's your favorite? What's your favorite? My favorite is well, the one that I used to <laughs> to change my entire life, like to be able to write a book when I couldn't, yeah. uh, is Psych K P S Y C H and K. Uh, and I loved it because um, it, it, you, the beautiful part about the psychology is you don't have to go back in your world to say who did what to who. That That's in the old way of saying something. That's killing the messenger over the messenger, over the message. The messenger is coming and saying, I got bad news. And then you kill it. And I thought, yeah, but the, it was the bad news was the problem, not the messenger. Mm -hmm. So, but when we go back over our life, well, he did this and she did that. My mom, my dad, this person. And we put all the messengers in there and I go, it's irrelevant. Right. You walked away with a program. I don't care who gave you the program. So the beautiful part about energy psychology, you don't have to go back in your history. You have to look at this one moment and say, what is it you want? that you have difficulty acquiring. I say that becomes a, a destination program. This is a program that Excellent. I want. And so it's beautiful because it doesn't require going back. When people go over that kind of process where they review their life history, does it help them? I go, no, it makes them relive all the lousy moments. It, <laughs> it doesn't help. You know, and like so you said, that's looking in too. You know, you're not in the present moment when you're going through all that baggage. So energy psychology is a wonderful situation because it enables you to uh, um, change programs in matters of minutes, which is like real. And it's like magic in my vision of, wow, life is interesting, but that's magic because your whole life can change so quickly. So it's just sort of just how fast did it change when you fell in love? 24 hours, <laughs> you have a different life. Right, exactly. So the psychology thing is similar. You put that program in it, 24 hours later, you've got a different life. Awesome. And a beautiful part. So the conclusion that's really great, Nikki, is you look at your wishes and desires, and then you put them in as programs. I am lovable. I am wealthy. I am healthy these different kinds of programs like that. And I say, you can download those using the energy psychology. And all of a sudden, it's just like having a honeymoon. All of a sudden, your behavior is now taking you into a good place. Yeah. And, and it's really important. So the, the basic idea is, if your programs in your subconscious match your wishes and desires, you know what's cool? You could think or not think. It doesn't make a difference. So I start thinking and the program starts playing. Guess what? It's still going to make and manifest what? My wishes and desires. If I <laughs> keep control with my hands on the wheel of conscious mind, where am I going? Wishes and desires. I go, so whether you're paying attention or you're not paying attention, when the programs in your subconscious support that destination, your behavior will automatically, you know, change to conform to bringing those wishes into your life. And, and then all of a sudden, there's no extra work. That's the beautiful part about it. Once the program is in, you have nothing more to do. It's been Your program has been operating your entire life right now <laughs> without you doing anything about it. So what if you just change the program? Well, if I put the effort in to change the program, then it will work automatically without me doing exercises or anything anymore. In 24 hours, I could walk away with a completely different behavior. I go, that's our destination. To find love first. That's the first one is why. Yes. Yeah. If you can't love yourself, everything else is a struggle from that point. Exactly. On. Love here now. And everyone, just to recap, 
brucelipton.com. Check out Psych K um, if you want to make some changes immediately. But also you can do the subconscious method, listening to a recording at night, or the conscious method, repetition, which the last two episodes of New Growth, we've talked about mantras. So that's very appropriate. Yes. So pick one, ride it home. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Lipton, for joining me today. This has been amazing. Nikki, name is Bruce, and thank you for letting me uh, have an opportunity to talk to your wonderful audience, because um, the people that are watching your show are the cultural creatives. They're the ones that are looking for answers that are not in the box, exactly. because in the box is such a mess right now. It's a mess. <laughs> you have to step outside of this thing and start creating a better world outside of the convention. And so thank you very much for creating a platform for people to empower themselves. And as uh, the emphasis of what you are here for is that love is the most empowering thing in creating life on this planet. So thank you very much for this opportunity. Awesome, awesome. And thank you all so much at home for joining once again. I'll be back soon. I love you. Talk to you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.